Instagram, a Hunger Games podcast. My name is Claire, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm glad to have you all joining me this week. Make sure to check out my social media, which is at Tales of Panem on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok for updates, episode information, and more. It is the first week of the month, which means this week's episode is a character study episode, and this one is going to be all about Peter Malark. These character study episodes are going to cover content from the entire series as well as all the movies, so if this is your very first time reading the series, you might want to skip this one unless you don't mind the spoilers. As usual, I'm going to start off with my little who are they. Um, I think that we all know who Peter Malark is at this point, but just in case, I'm going to give a little spiel. So Peter Malark is the baker's son from District 12, and when he is 16, he gets reaped for the 74th Hunger Games. He becomes one of two victors of the games alongside Katniss Everdeen. And he returns to the arena for the 75th games and is subsequently captured by the Capitol where he undergoes a torture process called hijacking that turns him into a weapon against Katniss. He manages to recover to an extent and after the war, he returns to District 12 with Katniss and eventually starts a family. So my opening quote for this week's episode is from The Hunger Games and it's actually a line of dialogue that Peta says in this novel and it goes, I don't know how to say it exactly, only I want to die as myself does that make any sense? I don't want them to change me in there, turn me into some kind of monster that I'm not. I'm sure we can all tell why I chose this as the opening quote, um, although I will talk about it a bit and it actually brings me to my first topic that I want to talk about, which is this scene on the rooftop and the establishment of Peta's character in the first half of the first novel. So obviously everything that we are learning about Peta is through Katniss's perspective, or through his direct actions or dialogue, which also are being filtered through Katniss's perspective. So we're getting it all through her, which obviously is going to be the common thread for all these characters because it is written in first person. Um, but this is particularly important for Peta as a character because Peta and Katniss have a relationship that fluctuates a lot throughout the series. Um, some of that being due to their individual characters and how they view each other, and some of it as a result of factors that are entirely out of their control. But when we first start off with them, Katniss doesn't really trust Peta, and so we as a reader don't really know if we should trust him or not. You definitely are inclined to, like, you can definitely tell that it's going to be a situation where, like, it ends up that he was the quote-unquote good guy all along and he was never actually working against her, which obviously is the case. Um, but, you know, we don't actually know anything for certain because the stuff he says to her, we don't know if it's part of an act, part of a game, part of a plan to betray her and kill her and win. But the thing that we do know, which is one of the very, very first pieces of information that we get about him, is this memory when they were 11 years old, which I think is very important to note how young of an age that is. They're 11 years old and Katniss's family is starving. They don't know if they're going to make it. And Peta intentionally burns some bread to give to her. And also, and I talked about this in the very first episode, because it's in like the very, very first section of the Hunger Games. Um, we know that Peta's mother ends up hitting him for this, um, but he did it despite knowing that those would be the consequences, um, which is huge. One, for an 11-year-old to be willing to experience physical harm just for the sake of helping someone else, someone that he, someone that is his classmate, yes, but it's not like they're, like, best friends, you know? She's just some girl he goes to school with, but he was willing to do that for her. 
And the reason why is because quite simply, he is a good and selfless person. Um, which brings me to this scene on the rooftop, uh, which is the night before the Hunger Games and Kat, neither Kat nor Peter can sleep, obviously. Um, so they have a conversation where Peter basically tells her that he isn't going to kill anyone. That he says that he would kill someone out of self-defense, you know, like if it came down to it, he would do it, but he's not going to hunt people down. He's not going to go out of his way to kill people unless he really, really has to. And basically as a part of that, he says this line about not wanting them to change him in the arena and to turn him into a killer, to turn him into a violent person, which he's really, really not. That those are all very important things to note, because obviously the real tragedy of Peter's character is that he ends up not having a choice in becoming that kind of person, um, which I'm obviously going to talk about, but I'm going to go slightly chronologically here um, as much as possible. And I've also said it a million times that I think the scene on the roof is their first real moment of bonding other than the bread. But that is something that Katniss doesn't really want to bring up because one, she feels like it puts her in Peta's debt like permanently and she doesn't like to be in other people's debt. Not for any like selfish reasons, just because she's she's a very independent person. She likes to know that she could take care of herself. But and also just because like it was a really dark time for her. She wouldn't want to bring it up. Um, and Peta wouldn't really want to talk about it either because it was obviously a traumatic memory for him too. So it's just this kind of like unspoken moment between the two of them that neither of them really address, but Katniss knows that she would not still be alive if it weren't for him. But the thing that she doesn't get is why he would do this because it's not to say that she's a selfish person. Like we we know it to be the opposite. Um, we know that she is an incredibly selfless person, but they still are very different in terms of like she she has to put her family first you know because she doesn't come from a family of bakers she comes from family that never really has enough to eat or has what they even need to survive especially after her father's death um so in a situation like that she would have to put herself and her family's needs first and that's not to say that Peter like doesn't have people to look out for but it is um a it's slightly different in that like his family, it's not like they're like rich, you know, they have their struggles as well, but being bakers, they have enough to eat and they are successful bakers too. So they like have the money that they need to survive. And they're um, obviously in a higher like class of wealth than Katniss's family is. But we also know that his mother is very cruel. She is both physically and mentally abusive towards him. Um, and although his father is like a nice person like we see him sort of looking out for Katniss and Prim and even like coming to visit her before the games it's still not a great situation for Peter at home obviously his life growing up with his family was very difficult in a in a completely different way than Katniss's was um which I think is what makes it so interesting is like that they are both from District 12, but they could not have had more different experiences. And that's not to say that like one had it worse than the other, it's just very different situations. But she still can't fathom, like he was willing to do this just to give me some bread. Um, and also there was no way for Peter, like obviously he could tell that she desperately needed the food, but there was no way for him to know that like her and her family probably wouldn't have made it if he hadn't done that. Like they were literally at the end of like, how much we can, how long we can survive with so little 
And so he doesn't even necessarily know that he like literally did save her life and by extension her family's life, um, which is another reason why she feels so indebted to him and, and doesn't want to bring it up. Which all this talk about bread and baking brings me to my next topic, which is how PETA is like genuinely and truly passionate about baking and also about painting in a way that like it is a thing that brings him genuine joy. Like, yes, it is the thing that he had to do growing up because that was what his family did to survive. But it's also something that he takes genuine pleasure in doing. It's very similar to how Katniss obviously has to hunt just to have enough to eat, but it's something that she truly enjoys. And I think one of the important things to note there is that hunting and baking, while both being things that provide food, are obviously very, very different activities. And this is one of the things I love about their relationship and about like Suzanne Collins writing in general and and like how this series was genuinely important in terms of obviously the representation of female characters in this series is amazing. And specifically Katniss is an incredibly well-written female protagonist. But their relationship is in itself very unique because Peta is the more gentle one. He, you know, he's the baker. He's um, the more peaceful one. He's the he's less of a fighter than she is. Things like that that would typically be the opposite in terms of like how male and female relationships are portrayed in media. And so that is another reason why I think this book is uh, is a lot more like revolutionary haha um than we even talk about it being is the portrayal of individual characters and their interpersonal relationships are in a way that is not always typical of the way that women and men are portrayed in media and there's a lot of unhealthy portrayals of men where they have to sort of be strong all the time and not have this gentle side to them and that's even something that gets explored in this series because sometimes Katniss views Peta's gentleness as a weakness and it takes her some time to learn that it's actually not because she has always had to physically fight to survive in terms of like she has to hunt for food she has to go out and, and kill animals just to have enough to eat uh, whereas that's something that he's never had to do and she sort of sees it as a sign of weakness initially initially of like you're you're too good you're too caring and you need to kind of toughen up stick up for yourself but as the series goes on she goes to realize that that's not a weakness that it's a strength in its own right and again this is something that would typically be flipped um in terms of like what we tend to see in novels and in movies and you name it of like what role a man plays in a relationship with a woman, which again is is very harmful because it creates this idea that men, like I said, need to be strong and tough all the time or else like no woman is gonna want them. And that's exactly the opposite of what we see here. And it's one of the reasons why I love their relationship so much. And it's one of the reasons why I love Peta's character so much is because he sort of goes against that, like what you would typically think of as a, as a male protagonist and a male love interest. Um, in a in a series of novels but he does genuinely love baking and he loves painting and it's actually there's a moment i just love in 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 mockingjay in the book he um as part of his recovery from the hijacking he actually ices the cake for finnick and annie's wedding which first of all is just amazing because i 
I was gonna say we all know I love Finnick and Annie, but we haven't talked about them yet because they aren't here yet in terms of where we are in the books. But I do love them, uh, and I will be talking about them. But if you if you weren't aware, I do love them a lot, and I love that that was a sort of like therapy for him. Um, and it also required a level of control that he had been really struggling to regain after the hijacking, because that's obviously it's all about lack of being able to control literally his own mind. And then as a result of that, his own actions. And so getting back some sense of control and some piece of his former self through icing that cake. And with the extra layer to that being that it's not just something that he's good at, it's something that he genuinely loves. And so he could find joy in doing it despite everything that has happened to him. It was something that he could fall back on as a piece of his former self and still experience joy through doing it. So I just love, I just love when he gets little moments to be happy (laughs) because there's not that many of them. There's really not. It's really upsetting to me personally. Uh, And I think that he deserves so much better. Anyway, um, but continuing along, um, next thing I want to briefly touch on, which I won't talk a ton about it because I've been talking about it a lot recently because it's a big thing towards the end of the Hunger Games beginning of Catching Fire is this sort of like fake relationship situation that him and Katniss have fallen into, but it's not your typical fake relationship because they will literally be killed if they don't keep it up. So it's slightly different. Um, but the other layer to that is that Kat or that Peta is actually in love with Katniss and Katniss doesn't really know yet how she feels, but it doesn't matter because they have to keep up the sack because like I said, they will literally die if they don't. Um, but the problem is that Peta initially didn't know that it was just an act. He didn't know that they were in danger. He didn't know that she'd been told by Hamish to keep doing this. And so he, for uh, a period of time, does believe that they're actually just two people in love. And it's great. It's not great. Things are actually terrible for them. But in terms of their relationship to each other, he thinks that part of it is good um, until he learns that it was just an act. Not entirely, and and we'll, there's obviously layers to that as well of like how much of it was Katniss just acting for the cameras and how much of it was real and to what extent does she even know herself because she's still very confused about it. Um, but once he finds this out, they still have to keep doing it. And that's like when they're on the, the victory tour in Catching Fire and they have, they literally built up to a fake real marriage proposal which is very very difficult for him and Hamish is the one who has to point it out to Katniss a couple times and be like because Katniss is like I don't understand like we're just doing what we need to do and Hamish is like yeah but he wants this to be real and so it's a very difficult situation for him to be in but at no point is he I won't say at no point is he angry with Katniss because there are definitely moments and I think that that in itself is justified like obviously he is aware enough to know that she doesn't deserve him being mad at her because she literally like this act even though it was mostly fake is what kept them alive um and he owes her a lot for that so he knows that but it's a difficult situation to be in and he reacts like a human being which is another thing that I just love so much about this series is that the people in it act like human beings like the characters act like real people in terms of their reactions to the things happening around them, as well as like their base character traits, they 
feel very real. They feel very fleshed out. They don't just feel like characters on a page. They feel like humans with real emotions. Um, and Peta is obviously a fantastic example of that because he also is struggling with this in the way that that Katniss is sort of struggling with like what are my which of my feelings are real, which aren't, and how do I navigate that in this really complex, dangerous situation that we found ourselves in. For Peta, it's more so, I know we have to keep doing this to survive. I don't particularly have a choice in the matter, but it's hard for me because I'm genuinely in love with this girl and she doesn't feel the same and I know that, but she has to pretend that she is and I have to go along with it, which is like a situation that I personally can't relate to. I don't know that there are many people who can. Um, and that's why I think it's so impressive that it's so well written because when you're writing a situation like this to be able to piece together, like how would a real 16 year old boy react to this situation? I guess 17 by the time of catching fire, but same point, um, react to this situation. And it requires some thought on the part of Suzanne Collins when she is writing it to make it seem authentic, even though it is obviously a very, extreme situation that I'm willing to go out on a limb here and guess that she doesn't have any personal experience with. And I think that she does a really good job of it because I am reading these scenes and reading Peto's dialogue and, and responses and just like the emotions that he's feeling. I'm like, yeah, I, I believe that a person in that situation, specifically this person who we know all these things about from reading the first book would behave like that and respond like that and feel that way if they were to be placed in this very complicated situation. Moving along in Catching Fire, um, let's talk about the Quell, specifically how PETA comes to be there. Um, as I'm sure we are all aware, PETA volunteers for the Quell because he wants to save Katniss. When will real men act like that? Not saying like, ugh, when will a man volunteer to die for me? Um, but just like, oh my God, it's so, he is literally my everything. Um, but the, the back up a little bit to that is we have, oh my God, one of my favorite scenes in the entire series. And I'm not just saying that, like it actually, it's up there. It's really close. Um, is the scene where Katniss goes to Haymitch and is like, I need you to volunteer for PETA because he's the only good person in this whole mess and we need to keep him alive. Which, oh, I could talk about for hours. I shouldn't have even brought it up. I shouldn't have even brought it up because I'm so tempted. We'll talk about it. We will discuss it in detail when we get to that section of Catching Fire pretty soon actually. And I will also discuss it in detail when I do my Hamish episode, which it's coming up. I know everyone is so excited for that one. Like if you think I'm a little bit of a crazy person now, just wait, just wait. It's gonna be so crazy. But the reason why I bring this up in the episode about Peter Malark is that we know that prior to that conversation, Peter had showed up at Hamish's door and been like, please let me go into the court well and save Katniss's life. He shows up at Hamish's house and like immediately because Kat, we know Katniss ru like runs off for a bit and then is like oh I need to go talk to Hamish we need to save Peta 
Peta immediately after hearing the announcement goes to Hamish's house and is like, we need to save Katniss at the expense of his own life, by the way. Because it's also a, a little more complicated because obviously Katniss is the only female victor from District 12. So she's going no matter what. But there's two male possible tributes. There's Hamish and Peta. And so it could be either one of them. And also they both know that whoever gets pulled, the other person is going to volunteer anyway. But the fact that Peter's literally at his house, like, we need to save Katniss, not even concerned at all for his own well-being, literally willing to volunteer to go die for Katniss. Um, and this is not the first time we know that he would risk his life or even literally die for her. Um, but it's just an a even more extreme example where he literally has to physically volunteer and he does it. Also, like, don't you all every single day of your life think about what kind of alternate reality would exist if Peta's name had been called and Hamish had volunteered for him? Because I do think about it every single day and it's crazy. Um, But that's not what happens, which is good because narratively, this is a lot better and this serves the story better. But it's just something that I personally can't help but think about. But yeah, he volunteers and they go into the quarter quell together. And this is... It's so, I would love to know a little, because we we see um, sort of how the other tributes feel about Katniss, specifically like Finnick and Joanna, because they're obviously our two other major characters. Um, and Finnick and her even have a conversation about it of like, everyone kind of thought that your whole being in love with Peta thing was an act, which it was. But then he tells her that the moment with the force field where Peta almost dies was when he realized that like, she actually did love him, at least in some way. But the flip side of that, I would love to know what these people think about Peter Millard because I can kind of see two things. I can see a sort of like almost admiration for him of like how far he's willing to go for the person he loves and, and like genuinely maintaining his goodness throughout all the horrible things that happened to them in the first games and going into the second one and like literally volunteering for Hamage just so that he can go with her. But I also feel like knowing sort of how the minds of people like Finnick and Joanna and and them work seeing him as a bit I don't know what the word I want to use is I don't want to say weak naive maybe that doesn't feel quite right but I think it can get to my point which is that like I feel like the other victors would see his love for Katniss as a weakness um because like he's literally willing to put his own life on the line for her every single day but we as readers, and this goes back to my original point of like his his goodness being perceived as a weakness by Katniss within the novels and also like the sort of opposite roles that they are playing in this relationship to each other. But the lengths to which he's willing to go for are actually one of his greatest strengths and it's one of the things that makes him such a lovable character and is once again the reason why they're alive. And so there's this like back and forth with the two of them of like saving each other in ways that they maybe don't even realize sometimes because sometimes it's something so small especially when you have the lives that they do and like almost anything can be a life or death situation but he saves her time and time again and and she sort of starts to realize that him being willing to risk his life for her and she's also willing to do the same for him side note is actually one of his greatest strengths and it's what he becomes a very, very strong support system for her because he is reliable in a way that 
very very few other people ever could be and in her life specifically no one else really is that means you too gail yes this is a little bit of gail slander you really thought we were gonna do a peter malark episode and i wasn't gonna ha- like say something rude about gail just that one though i got it out of my system let's move on <laughs> so after the quarter quell peter does get taken by the capital not a good time for me at all when i was reading this uh because at this point genuinely had no idea what was gonna happen next like going from the end of catching fire into mockingjay i was like this could go anyway he could die they could get him back at no point was i like oh what if they hijack him and basically turn him into a human version of a mutation that thought never really crossed my mind um but that's what happened so imagine my shock and surprise when I was reading Mockingjay and that's what happened. And I was like, oh, this is so much worse than any of the other outcomes that I could have come with, come up with. And also to bring up a quote from the novel that Katniss says, what happens to Peta, the hijacking, sort of him being changed in a way that he can never truly bounce back from. She says that in a like weird twisted way, that is that makes her appreciate him in a way that she never had before and appreciate like not just appreciate him but appreciate his goodness and vulnerability and his commitment to not being a violent person to not being a killer like things that she when they first have this conversation on the rooftop sort of see as a weakness and is a like I can't afford to think like that because I have my family now she sees that those things were actually his strengths now that those things have been stripped away from him and she says she's even more aware of that than she would have been if he died and that is why what happens to him as literally of like heartbreaking and devastating and horrible and it makes me cry just to think about it as awful as it is narratively brilliant Uh, no words literally I would if I would love more than anything to just sit down with Susan Collins, have a coffee, have lunch, and just be like, talk me through your thought process here when it came to writing Peter Malark's character arc. Because it is genuinely so good. It is one of the best developed and written and played out character arcs that I have ever read or seen in any piece of media ever because you have this person who is so good and I I I have said a million times throughout this episode oh he's such a good person his goodness is his defining trait but like really it's it is it's the thing that sets him apart from everyone else and it's what other characters acknowledge is so amazing about him is that most people after they have won the Hunger Games are sort of are are obviously very changed by that and that's not to say that he isn't changed by it but he maintains that goodness despite that and that is something that very very few if any other victors have been able to do to the extent that he has it's extremely admirable and so to have that be his like driving force in his life is like to be a good person and to protect the people he loves and to be selfless and to be willing to do anything for the good of others be turned into a killer but not have any control in it at all which is like his worst fear by the way he literally says out loud that he doesn't want to be changed 
not even remotely being able to foresee the fact that he wouldn't have a choice in the matter in the end. And I think that the most devastating part of it, and it's something that is said almost as soon as they find out what has happened to him as Mockingjay, in Mockingjay by Hamish, Hamish says it, but it's something that you kind of gradually really realize how true it is as you continue throughout the novel of he's never going to be the same person again no matter how much treatment they give him no matter how much recovery he goes through no matter how much time passes he will get better yeah and he does and he regains bits and pieces of his old self and he gets he can get so close to being the way he was before but he's never going to be the person that he was before isn't that like the most heartbreaking thing that you've ever heard in your life and it's something that as I gradually realized it as I was reading Mockingjay just made me feel terrible <laughs> like it made me feel so upset it is is so genuinely emotional and upsetting to me still to this day 10 years more than 10 years now after I first read it and it's it like in a way that not a lot of things are able to in terms of like fictional media is genuinely painful to me as a reader and so yeah he he works hard at his recovery he has teams of people helping him but even by the end of Mockingjay even when he is so close to being back to the way he was he's not quite and he's never truly truly going to be because that sort of goodness and just like I can't even find the word for it I keep saying goodness and if there's like more to it obviously but that is just the face of what it is gets taken away from him against his will and even though he wants it back so badly and he's doing everything he can to get it back and to get back to his old self the things that he has now lived through and the ways that his mind have been permanently altered won't allow that to happen and so it's again a situation where like it's completely out of his control and there's nothing he can do to change it and I think that lack of control both physically and like on a larger level in this series are are obviously key things that are explored because the people of District 12, the people of the higher number districts in particular, but all of the citizens of Panem that are not capital citizens or are not like the super, super wealthy or the elite don't have any control and uh, over their own lives or over anything. They basically their only option is to do what the capital tells them and keep their head down and do the best they can do to survive and so a big part of this rebellion and of the individual characters arcs is about regaining control and and to see Katniss go through Katniss Bia go through very similar arcs of regaining control but in very different ways because Katniss is obviously in a situation where she is basically the rebellion's like figurehead and, and they need her to rally the district but everything since the first games has just been like, oh, wear this dress and say this this pro capital thing, or oh, put on this this set of armor and and support the rebellion on this camera and let for for these cameras like stuff like that. The amount of control she has over her own life is basically non-existent, and we see her sort of like grasping at things that she can take control of just to have some sort of control over literally anything that she is doing. Whereas PETA, that control was like physically, like within his brain taken away from him. And he is sort of trying to get it back, but in in a way that like at first when he first returns to the capital, the only way he can do that is to sort of give into it and be like, I 
he's been conditioned to believe that Katniss is a threat to his life and to the lives of people around him. And the only solution he sees to that is to kill her. And he's like, if I can, if I can actually do that and, and take back control in that way, at least I'll have something, which is obviously the exact opposite of the things he would have done to regain control at the start of the series. And even like throughout catching fire, but when he's at this point where his, like, literally he can't even trust his own thoughts, that is the only way he can see of, like, at least that will give me something. And then throughout Mockingjay, they both go on these, these arcs of, like, where can I find control in my life? And then after the war, like, how do I sort of regain that agency that I've lost? And it brings them to the same place, literally, because they end up together with a family. Um, but obviously very, very different journeys to get there. which brings us to the end of Mockingjay um and I I talked about this with Katniss um and I'll talk about it from a slightly different perspective with PETA of they end up being together and starting a family and it's so cute and so amazing and so everything to me um and I talked about with Katniss like sort of how I feel about her ending up having kids and it, it being this like sometimes it feels like female characters in media like have to have children and a family to like in the end of the story for it to have meaning and that being why some people don't love Katniss's ending but how I personally just just go listen to that episode because I talked about it a lot more in depth um but in terms of PETA he's he's always wanted a family and the there's also like a difference in like Katniss's whole family is gone essentially her dad died a long time ago Prim has died and then Katniss's mother doesn't even want to come back to District 12 because she doesn't want to face all the things that they've lost there. So, so she's basically ended up with no family. PETA's family um, dies in the, the bombing of District 12. But even before that, he didn't have a like, loving family. He, obviously, we've talked a million times about how terrible his mother was. Um, and so both of them, it has been so, so long. And in PETA's case, it like, has never really been the case that he's had like a loving and supportive family and even for Katniss like yeah her her dad was her and her dad were very close and before dad died her and her mother obviously had a much better relationship but then after he died things were very different she also had Prim we don't really know too much of the detail of Peter's relationship to his brothers although the one the one big thing that we do have is that they don't volunteer for him at the reaping which is not necessarily one of them is not the right age but the other one but it's, it's not necessarily an indication of whether or not they got along because like, you know, there's a difference between like, oh, I have a good relationship with my sibling and oh, I will literally die for them or like will volunteer to go fight to the death um, in their place, which again is like a why it's so noteworthy for Katniss to do that. Um, so we don't really know all the details, but but the point of all this is that they both end up alone at the end of this. Um, and they're back in District 12 and they sort of like find their way back together. They they grow closer and closer as like Peta's still recovering and as he is slowly getting even slightly better. Um, and they sort of learn to like trust each other again and to love each other again um, and really settle into that. But then Peta is the one initially who wants kids and it takes a lot of convincing on his part, not convincing in a way of like, oh, come on, please, we have to do this, blah, blah, But, like, convincing in a way of, like, building enough trust between him and Katniss and also making her feel safe enough because it's not that she doesn't 
want kids, obviously, it's that she has grown up in a world where, like, to have children means to risk losing them. And with in a world with the Hunger Games, that is, like, a very real possibility. And so it's also about her learning to feel safe. And that's why I think it's such a good ending for both of them to end up having a family, because it's something that they have been missing and something that both of them really, really have wanted their whole lives is to have like a loving family that they can support and not have to fear for their safety every single day. And that's what they end up having. Um, and I think it's very telling about both of them to get to that place. And it also is telling about PETA's journey, sort of getting back to who he was before. And like I said, it's not, he's not all the way back and he never will be, but the fact that he is able to start such a loving and supportive family is a big indication of the progress that he's made. Um, and it's something that like early on in his recovery process never would have imagined happening, but with where he ends up, it is something that he is able to do that he is presumably always wanted. And so I just think it's a really like good place for him to end and just gives you like, yeah, all these horrible things have happened and yeah, you still feel kind of awful because he's still not the same and and can never like erase all the things that have happened to him but at least he has Katniss at least they have their children and at least they have this little family that they've created for themselves in District 12 and they can like lean on each other to recover and I like that the very end of Mockingjay addresses that like Katniss still has her nightmares Peta still has flashbacks but they can lean on each other as opposed to one person putting it all on the other person or vice versa like it's it's a mutual thing of like they both still have their struggles yes but they have someone who they know will support them and that support is able to go both ways um and I think that that kind of like balance is what's really important to their relationship and it's why it ends up working out that Katniss feels comfortable enough and safe enough and secure enough to actually start a family with him and to have children so yeah man uh if you thought this was fun just wait till we talk about Mockingjay anyway um so yeah just to sum it up Peter Miller tragic character arc of the century of forever of all time but so good so well written so never what you would expect when you open the first page of the Hunger Games but like something that is so genuinely moving and emotional um that it has you thinking about it. In my case, 10 years later. In some people's cases, maybe just after you finish the book, who knows? But yeah, his his arc is one of the big reasons why I have such an emotional investment in this series and why it like still does have a real impact on me to this day as an adult. All that being said brings me to the closing quote. I love this one. It's an underappreciated quote. I think it's just... Amazing. It's from Mockingjay, obviously. And this is Katniss's internal monologue at this point. We're halfway down the first tunnel when I realized what was so remarkable about the exchange. Peta sounded like his old self, the one who could always think of the right thing to say when nobody else could. Ironic, encouraging, a little funny, but not at anyone's expense. I glance back at him as he trudges along under his guards, Galen Jackson, his eyes fixed on the ground, his shoulders hunched forward, so dispirited, but for a moment he was really here. And I just, I want to like highlight the part of that that's Peter Sunday is like his old self, the one who could always think of the right thing to say when nobody else could, ironic, encouraging, a little bit funny, but not at anyone's expense. 
that is exactly it. And I, it's just, this is one of those moments when you're like, I miss the person he used to be. And it's even more like it hits you again. Like he's never going to really be that person again. Um, but I think that this quote hits all the like box, not all the boxes, obviously, but like some of the biggest boxes of like who he is and specifically who he was before all these terrible things happened to him. And it's something that people really appreciate about him, about his ability to kind of lighten a situation, but again, not at anyone else's expense um, and not like doing too much, but just to kind of let everyone know that he supports them and just lighten the mood a little bit. And that is a very important quality for someone to have, especially in a series like this, when things are so bad pretty much all the time. And this is one of those moments where Katniss really truly appreciates that about him and realizes that it's not something that should be overlooked and it's not an ability that everyone has and it's very specific to him and it is the reason why people love him so much and why he's had such a like real tangible positive impact on the lives of so many people that he's encountered even just briefly so yeah I, I, I just love that quote so much as soon as I was planning for this episode I like pulled down my copy of Mockingjay and I was like where's that quote I need it I need it to be my closing quote I knew it I knew that was the one I needed just I love it it's so good it is truly so good but yeah that's Peter Malark he's perfect he's amazing he's the only man ever fun fact I don't know if you were aware but there's never been another man since him he's the only one if if you didn't know now you do Thanks for joining me this week on Tales of Panem. Next week, I'll be doing an episode on the Hunger Games film before I get into Catching Fire the week after. If you have any specific questions or topics you'd like me to cover, you can DM them to me on any social media or send them to my email, which is talesofpanem at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would be very appreciated. Thank you again for listening, and I'll be back next week.